What's up? It's Nate from The Mix Up. Yes, I know I promised you some more scripted and organized episodes, but as you can probably tell, today is going to be a little bit different. Uh, well, not quite different, but as per my usual before uh, two weeks ago's episode. Now, don't worry, I will continue my original plan of having more organized scripted episodes in the upcoming weeks. However, when something comes up and I want to talk about it, I will veer off script, so I hope you can deal with that. Today, I want to talk about, well, also this is a bit of a veering from two weeks ago, what I said. Uh, today's topic doesn't really have to do much with Africa, like I promised before. It just has to do with general politics. And if you don't know, I love politics. You should know that by now, especially if you're this far in to my podcast. Quick reminder, follow me on social media at The Mix Up Podcast on Instagram and at The Mix Up on Twitter. I don't tweet, so I don't know why you will follow me on Twitter, but you can follow me there anyways. And I'll be posting podcasts bi-weekly on Saturdays, 10 a.m., not 10 p.m., 10 a.m. Eastern Daylight or Standard Time, depending on the time of the year. Without further ado, let's get right into it. Now, today, we're going to discuss the current events of the American election. Now, yes, the American election is going on right now, as of the time I'm recording in the year 2020, Joe Biden versus Donald Trump with the potential wild card of Kanye West. The reason why I'm mentioning Kanye West is because Kanye West is technically officially running and is probably the third most well-known candidate in terms of the American election's international audience. Now, yes, the American election does have an international audience. Me, I live in Canada, and we are watching the election very, very closely in Canada, not only for its entertainment value, because it is very entertaining, but also for its political ramifications upon the Canadian political atmosphere. Generally speaking, American politics has a huge impact on Canadian politics, especially when Canada's Conservative Party is in power. The Conservative Party in Canada has a history of sort of bowing down to the United States. For example, the past Conservative Prime Minister Stephen Harper, most people liked him. Um, well, most people over 30 liked him. Uh, basically, anyone under 30 hated his guts, but most people over 30 liked Stephen Harper. And they liked Stephen Harper because Stephen Harper really utilized America's military and economic power. This was under the Obama administration. Now, when Stephen Harper was voted out, we got Justin Trudeau up here in Canada. Now, Trudeau is a lot more, I wouldn't say anti-American, but more so independent, more so Canadian uh, and, and, and caring about Canada's economy and Canada's impact on the world rather than Canada doing something with America's permission. So I hope you sort of understand why Canadians in particular care about the American election. But what about other people around the world? Now, most people around the world that maybe don't live in Canada or Mexico uh, only watch the American election because, let me tell you, it is pretty damn entertaining. How do you feel, America, to be basically a reality show, basically something us non-Americans watch to laugh at and just be grateful that our country doesn't have all of these problems. Now, yes, every country in the world has its issues, especially when it comes to politics. But for some reason, American politics seem a lot messier, a lot dirtier, a lot less organized, just a mess in general, more so than most other countries. Even some countries which you consider very messy, America is, is, is quite the interesting uh, show. 
Now, very recently, uh, again, as of the time I'm recording this, we had the first debate. The second debate was supposed to happen. Uh, I don't think it did happen. I don't know. Don't take my word on it. But uh, and then also very recently, Donald Trump was diagnosed with COVID. Uh, I hope his family is doing very well. I hope he's doing well as always. However, something very drastic happened with that whole COVID diagnosis or prognosis. He was supposed to be in hospital, from what I heard, for at least a week just to monitor his health. I mean, the man is in his 70s. He, he's not the healthiest guy around. He has a bunch of issues health-wise. He's overweight and everything. So they wanted to keep him in hospital just to make sure he's healthy and all that. But, of course, PR, optics, Trump wanted to appear strong, and he wanted to keep his argument of making COVID sort of a non-issue in the election. And he... I, I'm, what I'm sure, what I'm speculating is, he sort of um, convinced the doctors to uh, release him from hospital early. Now, do I agree with this? Do I not agree with this? Well, I'm not in a permission, uh, not in a position to give an exact opinion on this topic. However, if it were a Canadian politician, I would expect them to treat their health as they would expect any other citizen to treat their health. Uh, if, for example, if, if I had COVID. I would not want to endanger anyone around me, never mind endanger myself even further, just to look good for my peers. Of course, this is a much more complicated situation. This is the election of the country which leads the so-called free world, the United States of America. Now, I want to talk about politics not so much uh, from the American perspective, but of course, the non-American perspective. How do non-Americans view this election other than for its pure entertainment reality show value. Now, elections like this one coming up to non-Americans are extremely concerning. And the reason why it is extremely concerning is because America leads the world when it comes to entertainment, leads the world when it comes to finance and military power. So when you have this number one world power going through such petty issues, such as name-calling and, and being immature at electoral debates, it makes you wonder if this country is really fit to lead the so-called free or so-called Western worlds. Now, in my opinion, I don't think American politicians are fit at all to lead the, the free world because if you can't have a mature debate, how can you solve issues? How can you solve wars? How can you even be a leader and an example for all democratic nations around the world? The other issue I have with this whole thing is that the United States has been a two-party democratic system for a very, very, very long time. As long as anybody listening to this podcast would remember, even if you're an old man, the United States has been a two-party democratic system. This is an issue, especially in democratic states, because it gives you options A or B, but no option C. Having a third option could be a huge factor in terms of people's happiness levels and in terms of getting people's opinions out onto the uh, the floor of the Senate or the House of Commons or whatever your country has. Canada, for example, has three major parties and then two further what I would call minor parties. These three major parties are the number one right now in power, are the Liberals, followed by the Conservatives, followed by the New Democrat Party. The two smaller parties are the Green Party as well as the Bloc Québécois. You can also say the People's Party of Canada, but that's sort of like Canadian Republicans and no one really likes them because... They're very racist, anti-immigration, they, yeah, they're just bad people. <laughs> but we have three major parties and two smaller parties, and all of these five parties get some representation at the federal level. And everyone in Canada takes all of these five parties seriously. In fact, 
Well, the Bloc Québécois only really if you're in Quebec or any Francophone Canadian, but all five parties get equal representation when it comes to TV time, debates, and basically they get the same exposure as any other party would when it comes to Canadian elections. What this does for Canadians is it gives us a lot more options when it comes to voting. And not just options, but options which are taken seriously on a federal level. The United States has other options, of course, other than Democrats and Republicans, but nobody cares about these other options. The saddest thing is, these other options have a lot of good opinions, which I think a lot of Americans can utilize in their decision or in their uh, choice to vote. Now, what do I think America should do regarding these third, fourth, and even fifth, maybe, ways of ruling a country? Well, I think the United States, and well, not so much the government, but I think the American people should stop identifying with their party. This is a huge issue. This is an issue which has been plaguing the United States for centuries, where you identify with your party. You're either a Democrat. If you're not a Democrat, you are a Republican. That is sort of equating your political party to your culture or to your race or to where you're from. Now, this is a major issue because if your party does something very, very shady, like a lot of Democrats are sort of steering away from Joe Biden because Joe Biden has done some very, very shady shit in the past. Excuse my language. But if your party does something really crazy, you really have no other option than to hop on the other side of the aisle, which will in this case be the Republicans. But of course, most Democrats do not want to do this because Republicans have a totally different you know, domestic view as Democrats do. Therefore, the Democrats sort of have this loyalty to the party no matter who the leader is unless something crazy and drastic happened. For example, if Joe Biden was found out to have had some major, uh, let's just say sexual assault, confirmed allegations against him from the past, I'm not saying he did, but I'm saying if it was found out and confirmed that he had these allegations from the past, would Democrats still support Joe Biden? Would Americans who hate Trump still support Joe Biden? Now, as you can see, this creates a massive issue. The same issue happened in the last election of 2016 when you had Hillary Clinton against Donald Trump. The reason why Donald Trump won was because Hillary Clinton did such a poor job at running her campaign. And not just that, but Hillary Clinton had almost zero charisma, which means she did not win any popularity contests. That's where Trump dominated. And in my opinion, I think this next election will be extremely close, not because they have very similar policies and great points. In fact, I think both men are totally incompetent and should not be running a country. But it will be extremely close because the amount of people who support Trump and the amount of people who hate Trump's guts are roughly equal. And then you have those apathetic voters in the middle who mainly care about real issues like the economy, the, uh, the way the social construct is, 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 is constructed in the United States, the way their families will live, uh, the, the job market, the uh, foreign affairs, the foreign policies. These are issues that matter to those sort of middle ground almost apathetic Americans. And I call them apathetic because these Americans, it's very, very few. Uh, I, I don't know any American who, who is like this, but I know they, they're out there. And I call them apathetic because they don't identify with either Democrat or Republican. They are what the Americans would call independent or non-decided. These independent or non-decided voters are the key to a successful and thriving democracy in the United States of America. I hate to bring up my episode two weeks ago about Gaddafi, but Gaddafi does have a really good point when it comes to American or Western-style democracies. The political party is really the one in power, not the people. 
But when you have more political parties, you have more people represented. Therefore, the political party which is in power is more likely to appeal to the people because if they fail to appeal to the people, they will lose power extremely quick. Therefore, the more parties, the more options, the more honesty. Yes, it can create corruption issues. Yes, it can give an outlet for those who can cause a lot of harm to society. But for the vast majority of the time, the more political parties, the more democratic a country is. If you look at countries like the United States, or sorry, not the United States, if you look at the countries like the United Kingdom, the UK has multiple political parties, more than Canada, which are major. All of these parties represented at some degree at the federal level, and people in the UK don't identify with their party as much as people in the United States and even as much as in Canada. Some people in Canada, like um, myself and my family, sometimes we tend to identify with the political party. This is just part of our Americanized culture. Canada has and, and, and is continuing to become more and more Americanized every day. Now, this sort of goes into my second topic, my second point of interest for today. I know it's a bit of a rambling episode, but I wanted to bring it up and I wanted to talk about it. The second thing is what happens in America sort of spreads itself to Canada. There's a saying, when America sneezes, Canada catches the flu. Yes, I, this is a true saying, I really think. Uh, and this could be really seen when it comes to the Black Lives Matter protests. Now, Canadians tend to equate Canadian issues to American issues. So the issue of police violence in a mass scale on the black community in the United States is somehow equated to the same thing in Canada, even though in Canada it's on an extremely lower scale. I'm not saying it doesn't exist, but I'm saying for me personally, as a black man, I don't worry about going in the street and getting shot every five minutes. Whereas as soon as I cross the border to go to America, I worry about that. It's a very real worry. Even if I'm in a black area, I feel like I have to watch my back all the time. Whereas when I'm in Canada, anywhere in Canada, I could be in a small white town. In fact, true story. When I went up north through the Arctic, um, I think three years ago now, we were in these small, very, very white towns, right? It's white gold mining towns. And in America, I would be worried if I was in this kind of town. I'd be worried about being shunned for being black. I'd be worried about being targeted, not given service, being treated terribly. But in Canada, you know, I had this worry at the beginning, but then when I went to these towns, I realized these people don't care that I'm black. They're just excited that someone from the outside has come to visit them. And I feel like I'll be the same way if I lived in these towns. Now, this has to do with Canadian culture. Canadian culture is generally a lot more accepting than American culture is. Canadians don't hate new ideas as much as Americans. Yes, we do have the Canadians which hate these new ideas because everywhere does. But it's nowhere near as prevalent as the United States. Canadians are also a lot more docile when it comes to the government than the United States. Most Canadians you would find here do not protest against the government. They do not protest against uh, uh, political power or political rulers because Canadians understand that democracy is not failing in this country. Canadians understand that we have more than just two options when it comes to our elections. Canadians also understand that Canadian politicians like to keep the idea of Canada being different from the United States very much alive and well unless you're Stephen Harper for some reason. I don't know why Stephen Harper was... was anyways. <laughs> but we have to, as Canadians, right? I'm speaking to my Canadian listeners right now. We have to, as Canadians, continue to separate ourselves culturally from the United States. We have to sort of renew our unified Canadian pride 
And the one thing I'm most proud about about being Canadian is the fact that I'm not American. Most Canadians would probably agree with, with me in t to some extent. Of course, we have stereotypes. All Canadians are nice. We all say sorry. We say about rather than about. Most of these are not true. I mean, well, we do say sorry a lot. In fact, I say sorry all the time. Uh, I probably said sorry at the beginning of this episode. Or I apologize for not um, staying on topic. But I, I do say sorry quite a bit. In fact, <laughs> off topic, funny story. Uh, in Canada, it's pretty common. Like, say you're walking and you run into someone. It's more likely that you would say sorry rather than the person who ran into you. Oh, sorry, if you run into someone, the person you ran into would more, like, more likely to apologize. Let me restart. <laughs> I'm really flustered today. I don't know why. But when you're walking down the street in Canada and you run into someone, rather than you apologize, the person you ran into is more likely to apologize first. Why? I don't know. They were just walking and they got run into and then they had to apologize. This is just part of, I don't know, I think it's the social contract we have with each other here in Canada. But I digress. So to all of my American listeners, I really encourage you to start taking a stand. Stop identifying with political parties. Start to open your mind. That's that's the biggest thing. Open your mind to new ideas. To my American conservatives, don't hate socialism because of what happened in the Cold War. Learn about it. Learn about democracy. Learn about social democracy. Learn about countries like Canada. Or if you're too sick and tired of Canada, learn about Sweden, Denmark, Norway, Finland, Switzerland, Luxembourg, Iceland. All these countries, very different ideas of democracy, but all of them very, very successful and have extremely happy populations. But how come is it that the leader of the democratic world has such an unhappy, unrestful, and basically disruptive population on the world? How come your country is the laughingstock of the Western world because you choose to elect idiot after idiot after idiot after idiot? Yes, Barack Obama is also included there, even though he was probably the least idiotic of the most recent presidents. Um, I'm not a fan of Obama either. Maybe I'll get into that one day, but not today. So... To wrap up this episode, because it was a rambling one, it was off topic, uh, maybe it's because I have the next two weeks off work. Maybe maybe it's because Thanksgiving is also coming up and I can't wait to see my grandma on Thanksgiving. I'm excited. Anyways, to wrap up today's episode, the whole point of this was basically uh, me being very pissed off at the United States, as always, what's new. And also me just being genuinely concerned as a person who lives in a country which borders the United States. I think what happens in America has a huge impact here. And, and I don't want what happens in America to impact my life any more than it already has. Because it's extremely stressful, especially as Canadians watching this election. It's extremely stressful for us because, look, Donald Trump already uh, slapped some tariffs on Ontario aluminum. And that affected the economy. Luckily, the Canadian government and Ontario government has slapped sanctions, or not sanctions, but tariffs right back, basically neutralizing the effect. However... This is very real stuff, and if Donald Trump does win, I do fear for the Canadian way of life. And if Joe Biden does win, I do fear that the United States may indeed collapse in terms of its government. Not so much civil war, but I do believe stuff will happen which we have never even thought about being possible before. So to all of my American followers, I'm praying for you. And uh, if you were ever interested in coming to Canada, please, you can DM me at the Mix Up Podcast on Instagram. 
and I, I, I'm serious. I, you think I'm joking here? Partially, I am joking, but mostly I am serious. I will help you. I will help you get settled. If you want to come to Canada, I can arrange trips. I can give you a tour of different areas, mainly my area of Southern Ontario, what I mainly know. And I can even help you find a job up here. Because Canada, let me tell you, we have a reputation in Canada as being very welcoming compared to the United States. In Canada, you don't have to worry about some guy coming into your child's school with an M16 rifle and shooting up kids just to make a point. In Canada, you don't have to worry about the Ku Klux Klan burning crosses on your front doorstep. Yes, we have the Klan in Canada, but the Klan in Canada is illegal and outlawed, and the Klan in Canada is under constant police surveillance. Because guess what? Canada's federal police system, and even municipal and uh, provincial police system, is a lot more, let's just say, transparent than that of its American counterpart. Yes, we have issues of racism and racial profiling. However, in Canada, guess what? You are more likely to be asked questions first rather than shot first and asked questions later. And lastly, and probably most importantly, Canadian elections, very, very, very rarely drama-free and very, 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 very rarely a lose-lose-lose-lose-lose situation. Anyways, I'm Nate. This is The Mix-Up. Check me out on Instagram at The Mix-Up Podcast and you'll hear from me in two weeks for another episode.